What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Half Passed Out podcast. Coming at you today with a brand deep dive. My name is Hunter. Uh, I am drinking a Gatorade and vodka combo meal. Another classy drink, Hunter. Absolutely. Um, And I am pairing that uh, quite nicely, I might say, uh, with my Volte Rapid Time uh, in the gray leather strap. Uh, You can get this for an absolute steal of $105 on their website or anywhere else for like $6. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, (laughs) what is on the wrist and what are we drinking tonight, gentlemen? Christian, go for it. (laughs) Uh, I am wearing... I think I can safely say it's my all-time favorite watch, uh, the 73 Seiko Moon Phase. Uh, It will never get old, although I do think it's time for a new strap. It's been sitting on the red leather for a a minute. Uh, I still have the gold bracelet it came with, but I'm thinking a white leather strap, maybe something blue. What do you guys think? Well, it is my favorite watch of yours, as you know. So Mm -hmm. um, I support your venture wherever you go. I love the red. I think it'll be uh, unique to pair it with gold. So, yeah. Uh, but I also realized I didn't have a drink in front of me, so I grabbed the closest bottle, which is the remainder of my six dollar sake. And so I will just be drinking out of the mm-hmm. jug during Cute. this. Cute. Well, will what do you I, have? I am, as a surprise to zero people, especially in this room. The... You're wearing your Timex. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Wearing the Zealous again. I've worn it so much. Have you taken it off? Much. Yeah. For bed and workout. You and shower stuff. with it, man? Definitely not. You don't shower with your watches? You know, is that a thing? I think it's important to have a level of intimacy with your yeah. wristwatch. How else do you get to know it? I think I'd rather jerk off with my watch on. <laughs> You don't? <laughs> then shower with my watch if we're talking about intimacy. That does bring up a topic for our Patreon subscribers that we can get into later. Perfect. Well, I'm pairing that <laughs> with Hornitos. That sounds about right. Yeah. Classic. Oh, lovely. Well, we wanted to dive into certainly the most well-known brand, in my opinion watch brand but yeah i'd agree with that i mean the biggest also Mm -hmm. sure and uh so many other things that we'll discuss in this we want to talk about rolex we've talked about many of their watches but we've never done a true light (laughs) that's not necessarily true you remember my zebra oh i will never forget the rolex zebra the best Daytona they've ever made. Second best, because the Platinum is the best. Uh, um, they've, uh, we've talked about a lot of Rolexes uh, in both lights, and we wanted to do a full brand deep dive. We've done it for some other brands. Check those episodes out if you haven't listened to them. But we're excited to do Rolex tonight. Uh, Hunter, I think, has some history for us to lead us in. Yeah, you're, you're talking to a guy who doesn't know a lot about watches, but I'm really <laughs> good at learning about watches and then maybe comprehending a little bit 
and spitting a little bit back out at you. Uh, but yeah, I wanted to, you know, learn a little bit about Rolex. You know, it's they've been around for so long, um, and it just kind of talk speaks to kind of how perpetual their company is. Uh, pun intended. Yeah, I see what um, you did there. That's funny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, that first uh, patent that our uh, friends at Rolex uh, implemented uh, was actually the Rolex Oyster case back in 1926. Um, this just basically set the entire uh, industry on a whole new trajectory, introducing the first waterproofed wristwatch case, um, obviously going to help out with the risk of any water or dust damage. Um, and the way that they've done this uh, by way of their patent, uh, the ceiling itself introduced a screw down bezel um, along with a case back that we all know and love and then a winding crown. Um, which was actually a new standard for the time uh, in the mid-1920s, um, which, of course, is going to help with the durability and how robust the entire case is going to be. Um, but just the concept of just having a waterproof watch case um, at, at this time was just unheard of um, and something that, you know, they, they wanted to release as a part of the brand, of course, but then also kind of set the trajectory for waterproof casing um, for the industry as the years moved on, um, which also um, that last piece of the Oyster case, it introduces in a brand new market as well. So when we're thinking about outdoor activities, sports, and then, of course, we talk about uh, marine adventures as well. So we introduce things like the Submariner and things like that. So th I thought that was a particularly interesting patent uh, that Rolex is the proud owner of. And the second one only comes a couple years after, about five years after they introduced the Perpetual Rotor. Um, so th this invention uh, was of course a milestone in the self-winding or automatic watch movement. So every time you look down at your watch face and see on your dial that it says automatic and you think, ooh, I'm a watch person now, well, you can thank Rolex for that one. <laughs> um, that mechanism helps um, that with wrist movements. And uh, with those wrist movements, you can, of course, uh, wind your watch automatically simply by wearing it. Um, so the ma manual winding was just the norm uh, in, in the 1920s and earlier, uh, but starting in those 1930s, um, we got this perpetual rotor from Rolex. Um, and what I thought was really interesting about these two patents is only it only took them a two years to figure out we should probably combine these two patents and make a watch that incorporates both the Oyster case from 1926 and the Perpetual Rotor in 1931. Wait, really? Yes. So huh. combining these two together gave us the Rolex bubble backs. So if you're familiar with the huh. term, these are the old 1930 Rolexes wow. that have a... Um, it's the first watch case that incorporates both that... Oyster case and the rotor, uh, perpetual rotor that is. So back in the 1930s, this the Rolex engineered kind of a protruding rounder case back uh, just to help squeeze in that perpetual rotor 
uh, which of course at this time was significantly larger than the now ultra thin rotors of today um, into that new oyster case um, again just released a couple years after so this is just kind of a taste of what the rolex patent world looks like they of course have thousands um, but I thought these two were particularly interesting because they really did shift the industry in a way that really made for um, an industry that's forever innovating. So I thought that was particularly cool. Uh, what do you guys think about the two patents back in the 1920s and 30s? Uh, I had no idea that's what the bubble back was. I've heard that term yeah, thrown around a lot um, and just never once looked into it. That's really cool. <laughs> Shows our, our in-depth knowledge we have on the topic. Yeah. But again, I'm we also, are watch I'm also lacking. <laughs> Special thanks to watchbox.com for yeah. giving me some knowledge <laughs> on this piece. Um, yeah, they, they've got a bunch of really interesting pieces and articles really even further deep dive into how that oyster case originated back in the twenties, uh, that perpetual rotor. And then of course the combination of the two with the bubble back pieces. I love that Rolex also never adopted any other like language or nomenclature, like the rest of the world. Like it took me, I was into watches for a very long time before I realized that a perpetual was just their name for automatic. It took me way too long to figure out. I think I figured that out maybe a year ago. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So yeah, the, the patents are a really interesting place. It's also a rabbit hole. So there are, sure. like I said, thousands. Mm -hmm. So you can go ahead and go as deep as you'd like. But those I thought were the two most prominent uh, patents. Yeah. Those are their main ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, I don't know a whole lot about Rolex history in general. I just recently found out, and I say recently as in today, five minutes before we started recording, uh, that one of the James Bonds wore a Rolex. Uh, we were just the looking at the most famous movie watch who've... ever. There's no way that's true. It's just, it's just a fact. Mm. Doctor knows James Bond watch. Yeah. That's... Was that the first James Bond? Yes. Doctor knows the first James Bond. Uh, with Sean Connery, born in 1963 or 62. So Rolex has been around for a long time, obviously. When do you Certainly. think they became like the picture of success? Because I think that's their, like, their mass market or marketing right now is that like you're successful if you have a Rolex and vice versa. But I mean like presidents warm for a long time, a bunch of explorers warm for a long time. When do you guys think that change happened um i'll ballpark it towards the 50s uh I'll... they've certainly had a lot of notable people since kind of right about that point mm -hmm. so that's that would be my guess um i i have some partnerships to talk about in a moment but you talk about jack nicholas major people in golf uh the Le, the lamon race has always been with rolex has and it that's really? been around for i don't know even know how old the lamon is but uh 
it's yeah, it's pretty significant partnerships that they've had. So I'm ballparking it at 1950s. If anybody else who knows Rolex better than we do has a better answer, <laughs> there's yeah, no chance. There's no one that us. knows Rolex better than we do. <laughs> Uh, 1956 is the day date release, um, which is the, uh, the model that was worn by more, most of the presidents and those iconic figures, think movie Mm. stars, sports people. Um, so Mm -hmm. yeah, fifties is definitely the right era. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just always wondered how it happened. Like, I, I think I talked about it in an earlier episode. I never, my dad never wore a watch that I remember very rarely until the Apple watch. But anytime we passed like a jewelry store, he'd always look at the Rolexes and like, that's what it meant for him to be successful. Like that's what he always dreamed of. Never got one. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I always grew up with that image that Rolex means you're successful. Yeah. Uh, I think Hunter had mentioned that the Submariner that would be later debuted in the Dr. No and also, again, the most famous movie watch of all time. Up for debate. Who's to say? <laughs> I think the first <laughs> the first model of that came out in 53, Hunter? Sure. Something like that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would I would ballpark the 50s. That's, that's my guess. Post-war. Yeah. Hmm, yeah. Definitely a lot of rich people right after war, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 1953 sounds about right. Cool. Yeah. yeah. They did do a lot of cool stuff, though. Like the oyster case I saw they used for somebody swam the British Channel back in the 20s or 30s, which is like a 10-hour swim at the time. You wore a Rolex the entire time. That's crazy. Uh, who climbed Mount Everest first? Do we know? I think no, I, I don't somewhere. often look, the, look that up. However, I, I will mention, at least as far as partners go, that they they have a, quite the involvement in elite sports, but only elite sports. <laughs> <laughs> so when you think of the highbrow of highbrow sports, it is tennis, golf, yachting, equestrianism, and motorsport. That is what's listed on their website, yeah. and I would argue – the perfect list to define the elite sports. And that's not racing, by the way, because that's like NASCAR and Formula One. So, no. motorsports is like Le Mans. There you go. <laughs> one one tidbit of history for us. I just had to double check the sources. We are correct on the um, Everest summiting. So, the first two mountaineers to summit Everest, Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay were provided a um, provided a prototype of the Rolex Explorer. And That's after cool their trip, they released it publicly. Damn. Dang. All right, Will, you want to talk about partners? Yeah, in general, and we've, we've alluded to it so far, they've partnered with quite a few people. Watches in sports are... Most listened to episode, by the way. If you haven't <laughs> listened to it, check it out. The uh, is a big part of their game. They are partnered with famous people now. Like I think the most famous is probably Tiger, Roger Federer, 
form, you know, they have a couple F1 drivers. Lindsey Vaughn is on here for a different sport for once other than golf and tennis. But is it's primarily golf and tennis. Yeah. Oh, good but for her. they also have a ton of other golf, famous golfers. Jack Nicklaus, Gary Player, Adam Scott, so on and so forth. Uh, but their involvement in kind of as the general sponsor for bigger events seems to be their niche more so than just athletes. You get those couple athletes I listed and there is a, a big group of them not to forget about those other ones, but we have the Le Mans that I mentioned. There's a couple yachting races that they solely sponsor and it's kind of, from what I can tell, made the events that they sponsor are typically the biggest event in that, that given sport. Uh, funny enough. So I, the it's almost like Rolex just carries their reputation with the events they sponsor as well. They, they're likely choosing those to be that way. But I just find it fascinating that they're, they really are so select with where they sponsor but i guess part of it is because their partnership and their brand really doesn't need any more recognition than it has <laughs> it's <laughs> the most recognizable brand for watches in the world and uh, it clearly shows based on who they've picked for this did rolex ever sponsor the olympics like i know omega has been doing it for a number of years but i feel like rolex deserves it more if that makes sense yeah like it, just with like the clout that they have yeah I, I would disagree with that is I guess my question would be is the Olympics elite enough for them <laughs> whoa <laughs> bold talk Will yeah you're right it is bold talk when's the last time you watched the Olympics uh, I, the Olympics and the Super Bowl are probably the only sporting events I, events I watch. Well, When's the last true. time I don't really you watch the Super the Olympics. Bowl? <laughs> yeah, that doesn't help me at all. I know you don't watch the Super Bowl, so when's the last time? Olympic viewership has got to be down so bad since like 2014 maybe. Was prime There's no way that's true. TV viewership. I, I watch the Winter Olympics every time they come. I would bet those numbers are incredibly down. Yeah, that makes sense. Winter Olympics have never gotten as popular as Summer Olympics. Both. Uh, both but numbers. The summer, last Summer Olympics, didn't they have uh, – what was that big disease that happened during the Olympics <laughs> last Summer Olympics? Whatever it was. I think that got postponed. <laughs> Do you not watch the Olympics? I haven't in probably – a decade. I see the I see ESPN will comment about it, and that's my biggest involvement. That's crazy to me, Will. And it takes ESPN uh, probably gives them five minutes out of their thirty. <laughs> I need to figure out Olympic viewership now. I'm sure you do, but we'll figure that out in the post show. <laughs> Hit us up on Patreon if you're interested in joining in on this conversation. That said, we've talked a lot about history, partnerships, and so on. My question for you, Christian. Yeah. 
What's your favorite Rolex? Oh, I said it before, and I have to stick by it. Uh, favorite Rolex of all time is the Milgauss with the blue dial and green glass. Uh, but currently, favorite in production Rolex is probably the Skydweller. Let me make the sure. Skydweller is nice. I do like. I want to make sure I'm getting that right because I, I don't think it's the Air King. I think it is the Skydweller. Yeah. I don't like the Air King. I'm not yeah. a fan of the Air King. Interesting. I like the Air King as like an entry level, but Rolex nah. doesn't do a lot of complications. I think as a matter of principle for them, they don't need to. Even in, I think until this last year, they really didn't even have dial options for the most part. Uh, but the Skydweller has always had one of my favorite calendar or not calendar GMT complications. The circular, the in dial twenty four hour, uh, sub dial. I I like the Skydome pick. Uh, if you had picked Air King, I'd have been disappointed. So again, I like the Air Kings, but Skydome is definitely a favorite. If you like the Skydweller, what are your yeah. thoughts on Yacht Master Two? So the Yacht Master Two, that's their newer version of the Yacht Master, right? That's not the ugly one. With the, I would uh, assume it's not the older one. I don't know. I don't know their naming. <laughs> it is the newer one that is not as clean, in my opinion. Let me let me take a look. <laughs> You're right. They could name scheme it like Xbox does, from Xbox 360 to Xbox One. What's exactly newer? crazy? All right, where is it? It's got to be on their website somewhere. Yeah, I, I recommend. Uh, while I'm just... looking this up, you go, or what's y'all's favorite? What are y'all's favorite? Rolexes. Hunter. Not the Yacht Master 2, that's for sure. Yeah, um, I don't like the Yacht Master 2 at all. I yeah. think it's... It's... I can see where the comparisons would go from that to the Sky Dweller, but... Yeah, I think, for me, I'm not I'm not a flashy guy, so I'm gonna try to go a little uh, under under the radar luxury. Um, in which case, I think that the Rolex Explorer does it really well. Yeah, um, good choice. I think that it's it's not exactly designed for like the, you know the the board meeting or like the fancy dinner or what have you. Like it's kind of designed to be worn every day. Yeah. Um, and so, and lucky for me, it's it's relatively low on the um, on the MSRP Cost. level. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The Air, Air King is very close. Uh, See, close I like second. the Air King a lot. That's uh, meh. And also, to be very clear, the Yacht Master is the hideous one that looks like you're pretending to be an '80s drug dealer. The Yacht, Yacht Master Two, the yeah. newest Yacht that Master, is actually very nice. <laughs> yeah, with the titanium bezel and all that. I like what they've done with the Yacht Masters since they started to turn them into submariners. <laughs> Yeah. Since they've lost its touch. Yeah. Sorry, Hunter. Go on. <laughs> uh, I I was gonna ask Will what his favorite is now. I'm sure this will come as a surprise to all our listeners. It is still and likely will always be the Daytona, specifically the Zebra. <laughs> no, I know they it's make the so many better watches though. I I think it is such a good piece. The Panda Rolex is, cool. is mm. with the white gold. It looks so good. Yeah. I think it is so well done. I think there are other, especially the Daytona, because of its how popular it is, you oftentimes can get it in 
kind of a more customized option. I think there are a lot of uh, luxurious modifications that you can make and just cool modifications that you can make to a Daytona if you're interested in that. So I like the versatility that that offers. It's certainly probably the most recognizable chronograph. Yeah. It, to me, it's the it's just the, the piece. Uh, I the, mean, that was the chronograph that went to the moon, right? Did it? Oh, sorry. What? I was oh. thinking of the other most recognizable one. <laughs> yeah. It okay. did actually go to the moon, though. Or one it, of the Rolexes went to the moon. The Belova did it first. Let's see. I guess technically the Omega also did it at the same time. Yeah, exactly. But the Belova didn't break. Was I think it was Apollo 17 that Rolex went on? Anywho, another mm, thing sounds, for the after show. Sounds later than yeah. the... It's about being first. Exactly. So, Belova for the win there. Um, no, for me, it's the Daytona. I love the Daytona. I will mention as a was going through in my preparation for this. The Explorer is probably the most underrated piece. Oh, for sure. It's the Explorers are so nice. Simplicity plus the... I think the loom looks great. Uh, it's a very seemingly simple piece, but it looks so great. And again, the main thing with Rolex and kind of the, to where the value gets to... All of these watches that we've talked about, even the ones that we've so far crapped on, the they're never going to die. I mean, there are stories of people that have – I've heard of stories with people with a, like a Submariner who those will last you 50 – those will just tick for 50 yep. years with so little service needed. And that it's part of what brings them their value. It's – it is paying for a bit of the brand, but it's also paying for truly one of the most high quality pieces of watchmaking that you could ever get your hands on, period. And it doesn't matter when you buy it, that high quality standard will remain the same for probably your whole lifetime. So yeah. certainly mine. So I do want to ask, while we're talking about their lineup, uh, last year they announced their new perpetual line mm -hmm. and they released the Rolex 1908 which is like very mm -hmm. reminiscent of the Rolex Cellini. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. It has the worst moon phase ever put on a watch. Uh, I have not seen that. It was like their piece. last really dressy watch. Uh, I don't. What do you guys think of the 1908 and that like, I guess revitalizing of that dressy style of for Rolex? I like the, the, I don't know how much I love the gold one. Okay. Because I just couldn't see me wearing it. But I do like the... White gold one. I don't know if I've seen the white gold one. I'll have to take a look at it. White white gold is nice. I do think the yellow gold I could get around with a green band. The inside of Ooh. the band is green. Is green. Yeah. Um, I say that. And you that can swap nice. the dial color as well to black if you wanted to. But mm -hmm. I could get around this. Yeah. It's I like taken it me some getting piece. used to, but I do – I like the overall appeal or the aesthetic of it. Uh, yeah, I think this is a great-looking dress piece. I think this is what I would look for in what a dress piece looks like. It's uh, a little on the smaller side. That's fine. It's supposed to be you – know, it doesn't need to be a sport watch. I think it, it, it's simple but very elegant. I love the numbers. Hmm. Uh, I, yeah, it's a good-looking piece. 
Yeah, I, know. I just I found it as we were starting to do research for this because I didn't even realize they had come out. And for twenty two grand, I think there's a lot of other dress watches I would buy, but I do certainly. I hope we see more we're stuff. Like I would love to see another Rolex Moon phase. I would love to see a better yeah. Rolex Moon phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you have a least favorite watch they currently produce outside of the? I'm gonna say I'll, I'll say it now. Outside of the Yachtmaster Two, because <laughs> that's an easy cop out pick that you cannot pick. Um, let's see. We've talked a bit about I like the Titania or the Titanium <laughs> sub or Titanium Yachtmaster, whatever it was. But I think the worst one they do is the, like the super deep sea watch. That is my least favorite. It's a 50 millimeter diver that's rated for like 30,000 some odd feet. And it's, it's a ridiculous watch that never needed to exist. It's like a super diver sort of watch. Yeah, let me pull up the exact one. It's the Rolex Deep, Deep Sea Challenge. Yeah, the Deep Sea Challenge. It looks so bad because it needs to. I mean, it's a big yeah. dive watch. I don't like what they're doing on the chapter ring there. Original gas yeah. escape valve ring lock system. You know? Yeah, that's pretty unnecessary. Yeah. I, I so, can see the need to maybe differentiate between their other subs, but that is definitely not the way to do it. Well, yeah, it's like <laughs> 10 millimeters larger than the rest of their subs. I think probably to a degree they had to do a little bit yeah. of making it larger. I mean, they've done it before with the bubble back, right? So Fair. Don't get me wrong. The dive rating's impressive. I just hate the design style that they chose for it. This has a greater dive rating than that submarine that died at the bottom of visiting the Titanic. Yeah. Uh, you'll actually probably be able to find a couple of those if you get a working submarine. <laughs> huh. Well, how about you guys? What is your least favorite? For me, ah. the worst yeah. the worst one currently in circulation, because people fuck up watches in the gray market all the time. But just buying it off the rack, um, I don't like – Will, you're going to hate it. It's a Daytona. It's their ice blue dial. As, yeah, I don't love that piece With either. the brown. That oh, – there's Christian a million likes it. other – fight. Christian loves it a lot. Yeah, I, I know. I know. <laughs> there's a million other fantastic materials to go for. When you're spending, I think stick to black there. So they stuck much to black. Money. It was it, it hits hard if you stick to black. You're yeah. all so wrong. Gosh, just the <laughs> platinum. They fucked it. Uh, and for seventy-seven thousand MSRP. Yeah, but if you've got that money to spend on a watch, you have more money than you need, or you don't need to spend money on class anymore. You can do whatever you want. Then get a Richard. <laughs> Richard Miller. Jacob. You could get a Jacob. You could That's fuck fair. up your wrist so much better than this. <laughs> I, I'm glad Hunter brings up a hot take because it makes me feel bad, less bad about my soon-to-be hot take. That said, I yeah, I, I don't love this. Christian and I have fought about it before. Mm. It's going to take a lot. Again, that brown is not for me. I think it ruins that lovely blue. But we know Christian and his feelings, and we yep. love hurting them. So That's honestly the only reason I'm here. <laughs> I'm good at hurting them. Yeah. 
Well, I'm bringing in one more hot take because uh, that's what I plan to do. And I think as opposed to the Explorer and the Oyster Perpetual, which are very great, simple pieces, mm-hmm. the Datejust is my pick. Really? Wow. Yep. Why? <laughs> the Datejust with its weird bezel is old and not my favorite at all. The Day Date does the same thing with this weird bezel that I hate. <laughs> it looks old. It's almost, yeah, it's just. I think compared to the very, if you go to this the simple Oyster Perpetual, which is their like most basic watch. Sure. Very clean, basic Rolex. I would make the argument that maybe almost too simple. I'd probably lean towards the Explorer that Hunter mentioned. But I, I really do not like that patterning on the bezel. Again, these are all Rolexes. There, there's going to be no like absolutely sure. miserable piece other than the Yachtmaster 2. But... <laughs> I really don't like that bezel, and it, I think it bothers the heck out of me. Why I not? can't get So would it. you do it with the domed dial, or the dome bezel? So not the fluted, like, pie pan style, but you can get it just a simple bezel. You would can you? get an Oyster Perpetual with a date, and then with that simple bezel. And I then it's not as bad. But then again, I, I mentioned, as I mentioned earlier... Kind of like the Explorer more at that point. Yeah, I I don't have it doesn't have a place for me. Well, I think we agree. We just need to all get Explorers. Perfect. <laughs> That's the one watch we can all agree on. Explorer Hunter, or Explorer get on Two. Except, so I do need to bring it up since we're talking Ooh. about the Explorer. Do you like the two tone in the original Explorer? No, in the new one. In the new one, I I do not like the new one. Almost it's not at all. my favorite. I don't either. know why they did it, and I think it's genuinely horrible. They they had an opportunity at their fingertips, and they fumbled. That, yeah, other also like appropriate sports terms. <laughs> yeah, we've thrown in a lot of sports this episode because it does so well on our show. Even though Christian, we should do another watches and sports episode. We probably have to so <laughs> we'll get there but i hope you guys i i will mention one more thing about rolex as i kind of alluded to rolex is the king the head of watches yeah they the are synonymous all right well thanks for the another pun they are synonymous with what a watch is this is what people think about when you think about a luxurious watch piece and their value shows it. They hold probably the most value out of any watch you could possibly get uh, because of, again, I alluded to part of the way they're built, the reputation they have, uh, everything. But I, yeah, I'm glad they're independent. I think if they were part of a big brand like Swatch, maybe – they would lose some of their esteem. And hmm. I think that's probably a cool part about them is they're, they're still their own independent brand. So, uh, 
I don't no, know if you guys have any nice, other closing thoughts on Rolex as we wrap up our deep dive. Yeah, uh, we'll be putting the P.O. box in the description. Uh, if you guys have extra Rolexes to send, only yeah. with the fluted bezel, though. That's all we need. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I mean, Rolexes... I don't know. I was intimidated to take on Rolex because, like we've obviously shown here, I know nothing about the brand. Yeah, it's almost overlooked because you, you, you hear a lot about it, but they're so expensive, A. And B, they're so seemingly big, and they are big, um, that it's you. It's kind of easy to just look at other things. <laughs> yeah. But. Well, that's all I uh, got. Hunter, yeah. anything else? That's all I have. Well, this is, uh, this is Half Passed Out signing off. So like, comment, subscribe. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we appreciate you. And give us another listen next week. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Thanks.